Our first reading is from Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and if you would like to follow along, it's printed in the back of your bulletin announcements. As a prisoner for God, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Messiah, one faith, one baptism, one God and author of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Good morning, everyone. Someone kindly pointed out that the last time I was here, I had much longer hair. (laughs) But I got a wild bug and decided to cut it all off. Let us start with our second reading, which is also drawn from, from Ephesians 4. The gifts Christ gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. These are the words of God for the people of God. So why don't we start today with a little trivia. On this day, in 480 BCE, Themistocles and his Greek fleet defeated Xerxes I and the Persians in the Sea Battle of Salamis, which I'm sure you remembered. (laughs) In 1567, the Wars of Religion got started in France when the Huguenots tried to kidnap King Charles IX which I'm sure you knew too, I'm just reminding you. (laughs) Moving into slightly more recent history, on this day in 1942, the great comedic actress Madeleine Kahn was born. And for our Catholic and Episcopal brothers and sisters, and speaking personally as well, it is also the blessed feast of St. Michael the Archangel and all angels. So I I learned these little tidbits of history when I started thinking about today's sermon because I wondered if there was anything special about today. And the oversimplified fact is there's really nothing too special about today. Doesn't seem to loom as large in history as other dates. It's sort of in between. It's an ordinary day. And in liturgy, we call this ordinary time the great part of the annual cycle that isn't Lent or Advent or Pentecost. I love the phrase, 
ordinary time. And before we actually look at the depth of this text in Ephesians, let's talk a bit about ordinary time because ordinary time is a paradox. On one hand, we can be aware that nothing particularly important happened on any given day for us or for history. Got up, went to work or school or both, had some snacks, watched some TV, read a book, went to bed. It's an ordinary day and we all have them. They're probably the preponderance of our days. But we usually say it like it's a bad thing. If I say I had an ordinary meal, that actually sounds like it was a bit disappointing. If I say I went on a date with an ordinary guy, makes it pretty clear what I think of him, doesn't it? I think it's important to remember that ordinary is the best thing. It's where the bulk of our lives are spent, in between the big events and milestones, hopefully moving forward on whatever course seems to be laid out for us. On the other hand, there are no ordinary days. Because you can bet for sure that it was not ordinary for the res residents of Tegucigalpa in Honduras when the Spaniards took over and claimed the entire city and locked up the majority of them on September 29th. Or when someone went to prison for kidnap. Or when a mother gave birth to her daughter. These are experiences that call for sacred time. And they happen all the time in the midst of what may be an ordinary day for many other people. And that's the challenge of the phrase ordinary time. What was perhaps an ordinary day for you was undoubtedly memorable for good or for ill for me, and vice versa. If the ordinary is valued in its own right as the space where the spirit also lives and moves and has her being, then both sacred and ordinary time are equally treasured in different ways. So I want to acknowledge and revel in the value of the ordinary because ordinary is a very good thing. I'm thankful for ordinary days. Knowing I'm part of humanity, existing simultaneously in ordinary and sacred time. And each kind of time matters. So why am I emphasizing ordinary so much, this concept of ordinary and sacred? Because today, Ephesians, our scripture, seems to be asking for the unbelievable. Paul begs his hearers to live a worthy life full of humility, gentleness, patience, love, unity, and peace. It's like his list of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians some of the finest virtues that we humans say we aim for. But the problem is, is it is extraordinary. And the effect of reading the passage this intently can be a bit overwhelming. Perhaps that's why Ephesians 4 is so often used in doxologies and creeds. It's a beautiful description of true community, but it's also easier to hear these words by rote than to take them seriously and face our own shortfall. The distance between our ordinary lived existence and the height of God's sacred perfection. In seeming contradiction to everything I just said about the value of the ordinary, this passage seems to demand our full sacred attention at all time if we're to even have a chance at answering Paul's entreaty. 
This is not a call to an ordinary life. Even in general culture, we can hardly go anywhere without hearing how hard we ought to be working to be aware of the terrible danger and emptiness of living unmindfully. We need to be present and make every moment count. And this passage seems to agree. What is asked of us seems to require both minute attention and a cosmic eternal awareness. Read this passage carefully, and the most likely reaction to the magnitude of what is being asked of the demands placed on us, one member of one body, one grand purpose under the guidance of God, who asks us to live in oneness, gentleness, peace, love, and what were the others now? Well, the reaction is either fear or just outright to not even try bothering. Because we are ordinary people. And it is one thing to find sacred moments, but in all things, at all times, to be peaceful and loving and work always toward unity? Ephesians 4 echoes the words of Jesus himself in Matthew 5.28, Be perfect, as your God in heaven is perfect. It seems both unreachable and somehow unfair to ask us fallible beasts to be something so much greater than we are. And we are terribly fallible. We're petty, and we like to gossip. We can be irritable with things or people that we find stupid. We think either far too little or far too much of ourselves. And we don't even have time to be patient. In ordinary time, we live ordinary lives, and they seem very far from the goal to which Paul is calling us. So how can we, ordinary beings in ordinary time, embrace the call to which we are called and build up the body of God of which we are a part? Well, God has told us elsewhere, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Sounds a little grim, but we're bold people. Second Timothy says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Don't give up in despair or draw back in fear from the challenge. As is so often the case, the path through the seemingly insurmountable task posed by the text is in the same text. The path is three little phrases to which we can pull our attention. The word but... The phrase, make every effort, and the word, until. First, that commonly salvific conjunction, but. Paul says, but each of us was given grace. In Ephesians 2 chapters earlier, Paul talked about the gift of grace itself, as great as the one who grants it the divine freedom to embrace our flawed humanity and extends to us the very patience and love and forgiveness which we struggle to find and in turn share with others. Here, the gift of his grace of his very self is multiplied into a whole array of gifts meant to ease our work together. God knows the magnitude of the story which you are living. And God knows that leading a life worthy of the calling to which you are called 
with humility, gentleness, patience, peace, unity. Love is more than we can ever do alone. Does the grace of God mean we need not strive toward those virtues? No. But that's why there's this second phrase, make every effort. I think we have to be skeptical of our motives anytime it seems like we want to use God's grace to let us off the hook, if you will, to let us dodge the hard work of faith and practice and saying we're sorry when we fail. Growing up is hard work, but we must do it. But we must make every effort, knowing that grace in the form and figure of God's self is there to help catch us when we slip and forgive us when we fall completely. Grace smooths out those rough edges. Equal to this journey of growing beyond or into the selves which God would have us be, are the gifts God gives to you, to the people of God, some of which, but not all, are listed here. Often in this passage, we start by talking about the gifts, and if you're like me, wondering which we have and what we're called to, what are our weak points, where do we think we're doing a little bit better, and we work from there to the creedal confession of unity. I think it's important that we actually come to the gifts last. Because we're ordinary people and these gifts seem to be a little rare. The kind maybe only some people have with some favor. Maybe these gifts are for sacred time, for sacred spaces, and are reserved for that. Not quite. The final word of this phrase we're building is until, but make every effort until, until all of us come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. I almost hate to tell you this, but it's going to take your whole life to reach the final clause of this passage. However much you have, that's how long it's going to take. Which is why we need the humility and the patience that got mentioned earlier. After this cosmic, all-encompassing scope of a creedal confession, Paul closes this passage by reminding us that this is a journey which apparently we're taking together. He carries this metaphor of the body to its logical conclusion and reminds us that we are not there yet in our individual beings and in the body of Christ itself. We are growing together until. Sacred events and experiences like today allow us to use our gifts and our bodies in special sacred ways. And we need these gifts and you have them. You're here to use and explore and deepen them. To find out that despite your own firm belief, you actually like a party with a lot of strangers. Because community is a good thing. To find out that your heart burns to see a message of radically inclusive love spread across the globe. 
to find out that the people that you say that you love, you love much deeper than you ever thought you could. But these are not gifts just for special occasions, like a, like a punch bowl on the top shelf of a cupboard. The gifts of teaching and preaching and spreading God's love and sitting down and holding someone's hand aren't meant to be stored up and used only on those days we call holy or sacred. Because to adapt an old joke for a better purpose, it's always sacred time somewhere. <laughs> you are a full being and the gifts God has given you, and you have them. You have to explore and hone them and refine them through the years as part of yourself in all times and places. These gifts, this list, is for ordinary people in ordinary time to do ordinary and extraordinary things. Earlier in the Ephesian epistle, we find this verse, For we are what God has made us. God made you who you are. And God is growing us up together. There's grace for us because this is going to take all life long. Both as individuals and as the body of Christ that we claim to be. There will be work to do every day in yourself and in the communities of which you are a part. Much of it, ordinary work on ordinary days. Until, until, that glorious day, whenever it comes for each of us, and it will, when God will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. My grace was sufficient for thee. You are what I made you. An ordinary creature to live an ordinary life, which glimmered with extraordinary sacred moments. These are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.